You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture reading is this evening coming to us from two places. First, from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. And I read from the Good News Translation, uh, which is, um, if you want to follow along with today's reading, you can find it on page 252 of your pew Bibles if you want to follow along with this reading from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah tells the people of God, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. They ha- you have given them great joy, O Lord. You have made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done, as people rejoice when they harvest grain or when they divide captured wealth. For you have broken the yoke that burdened them and the rod that beat their shoulders. You have defeated the nation that oppressed and exploited your people, just as you defeated the army of Midian so long ago. The boots of an invading army and all their bloodstained clothing will be destroyed by fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His royal power will continue to grow. His kingdom will always be at peace. He will rule as King David's successor, basing his power on right and justice. From now until the end of time, the Lord Almighty is determined to do all of this. And then from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, the Christmas story. At that time, Emperor Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the Roman Empire. When this first census took place, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone then went to register himself, each to his own hometown. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the birthplace of King David. Joseph went there because he was a descendant of David. He went to register with Mary, whom he was promised in marriage. She was pregnant. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. She gave birth to her first son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them to stay in the inn. There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were taking, spending their night in the fields, taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. And they were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am here with good news for you, which will be great joy to all people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great army of heaven's angels appeared to the, with the angel, singing praises to God, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, back and from them and back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told them what the angel had said about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. The shepherds went back, singing praises to God for all that they had heard and seen. It had been just as the angel had told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? 
Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. I don't know what mornings look like in your house. And I don't know if mornings look like mornings in our house, but usually mornings in our house involve someone saying something to the effect of, I can't find my blank. And it could be anything, really. Glasses, wallet, backpack, shoes, sock, other sock, coffee cup. And before you write me off and say, oh, that's just life with kids, I want you to know that all of these at one point or another have been me. Me. And in my own feeble defense, it hasn't just been me because these are my kids after all, but all of these things are things that I have at one time or another misplaced during the mad dash that is trying to get kids to school on time and adults off to work. And this probably says something more about me than it should, but it's fair to say that most mornings usually do involve quite a bit of wandering quite a bit of looking. It is as if we are in some great darkness, even though every single light in our house is on, which again is most mornings. All throughout this Advent season, we have been linking the words of the prophets with the words of the gospel. We have been exploring how Advent, how this arrival of Jesus on earth has been woven through the entirety of God's work among God's people. And based on what we hear in our scripture for this evening, based on what we heard from the prophet Isaiah, it seems that the people of God would fit right in at mornings at my house. They too are acquainted with darkness. They too know what it is like to wander in darkness despite having light all around them. Because as we meet Israel in our scripture, they do have light all around them. They have been given prophets who served this role as warning light. Isaiah's early prophetic ministry, as he was speaking to the people of God, he was warning them of their darkness, of their choosing of darkness, of their ignorance of God's law. But eventually, as we read the entirety of the book of Isaiah, we learn that the people of God had no desire to heed the warnings of Isaiah or the other prophets, and their darkness only grew because the Babylonian exile happened. For the people of God, their darkness grew as their temple was destroyed. Their darkness grew as their homeland was ransacked. Their darkness grew as the land that God had promised to give them was wrested from their control. Their darkness grew as their elders left their homeland, not sure if they were going to return, and some of them didn't. 
The darkness grew because uncertainty grew because they did not know what was going to happen next. The people were wandering in darkness. And it wasn't just the darkness of looking for their keys or their backpack. The people of God were wandering in darkness looking for any possible sign that things were going to improve, that their fate could be avoided. And it would not be for quite some time, and so the people just continued to wander in darkness. And they wandered in darkness until God moved in Isaiah's life and gave him the words, these words for the people of God. The people who walked in great darkness have seen a great light. How? A child has been born to them. A son has been given and the government will be upon his shoulders. As a prophet, Isaiah is able to present his words from a God-given view to a point even more distant than the messianic promise he is making. From the vantage point of Isaiah's God-given ability and God-given role as a prophet, Isaiah is able to confidently proclaim things that are going to happen as if they have happened already even if it would not be for quite some time that these things would come to pass. And so the people of God continued to wander in darkness until they wandered in darkness until the darkened heavens above some random field outside of Bethlehem exploded with the shining glory of the Lord and the sky was decorated with angels. And these, and these angels announced good news of great joy for all people and these angels sang glory to God and peace upon all on earth. The people who walked in darkness saw a great light it is in that moment, it is in the moment of Jesus' birth and this proclamation that the words of Isaiah have finally found their fulfillment. The people who were still waiting in deep darkness found the light for which they had so desperately been waiting. But even once the angels had returned back to heaven, even after the sky was no longer aglow with the glory of God, one star shone brighter. It was a star that was parked over top of a manger where the newborn child, namely Jesus, slept. This is the light. This light of this star would illuminate the way for all who would come and adore him. And this light led to an even greater light, that first Christmas light, the light of lights. Our wondrous light made known in Jesus, the light of the world. And as John says in his gospel, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. But even amid all that light that was present on that holy night, 
even amid all that light that we now celebrate on this Christmas Eve, the reality is, is that we still don't have to look too far in order to find darkness. And not darkness that is the stress of a busy morning because someone walked off with our sock for the millionth time and our kids need to brush their teeth before they're late for school. No, we're talking about real darkness. And if we're being honest, some of it is darkness that we choose. There are ways in which we identify the light of Jesus Christ. There are ways in which we see the way that Jesus would have us to go and we choose not to. Because sometimes it's easier. Because sometimes it feels better. Because sometimes it gives in to our socially conditioned need for instant gratification. And if we're being completely honest, sometimes the darkness makes more logical sense. No, we don't need to look very far for darkness on Christmas Eve or any other night, but we feel that darkness more acutely tonight, this night so full of light. The reality remains that there are children who will go to bed hungry. There are children who will cry themselves to sleep. There are parents who will stare off into the distance tonight because they figured out Christmas, but the next step feels, awful, feels awfully fuzzy. There are those that are looking for better jobs, those that live in broken homes. They exist out there somewhere. And maybe even here. Yet we know that the people who walked in darkness have seen great light. And that light dawned at the birth of Jesus. That light grew as Jesus grew in body and wisdom, gaining favor with all people. That light grew as Jesus did. That light grew as Jesus ministered to those that only saw darkness. That light grew as Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God to anyone who would listen. That light even grew when it seemed like the darkness of death might win. That light grew as Jesus appeared to bewildered disciples saying, Surely I will be with you to the end of the age. And that light shines on you. And more than that, that light shines because of you. The light of Jesus Christ, our wondrous light, shines through you. We know darkness. We know where it resides. We even know how it spreads. But the wondrous light of Jesus Christ can spread too. More than that, the wondrous light of Jesus Christ must spread. And we are the ones who have been called by Christ to help spread it so all may see its glow. The light grows when our spouse calmly explains that our other sock is across the room because our daughter walked off with it for the millionth time. The light of Christ grows when a friend claps us on the shoulder just to tell us that we're doing a good job. The light grows when a stranger picks up a Toys for Tots tag and fulfills by buying presents. The light grows when an acquaintance reaches out to go to a cup of coffee with us and it begins a blossoming friendship. 
The light grows when someone offers us a candle on this holy night so that we can know light right now. This is the light of Jesus Christ, and this is a wondrous light, and it is a light that will never be overcome. Go forth, my friends, into all of the world and shine the wondrous light of Jesus to all who walk in darkness. Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for this birth of Jesus that we celebrate tonight. We give you thanks for what it meant back then and what it continues to mean for us now. We give you thanks for those moments of darkness because they have led us to notice and led us to believe that your light is real. And as we prepare to share light with those around us, let this be more than a metaphor that we you know, talk about during worship. Let this be how we live. Let us be those that bring light into the darkness and let our light not be overcome. In the power of your Son's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.